my daughter came into this world. For the time that she did. And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One. Co-host also, Mike, in a moment as we are here to do another Oscar Sprint profile in this prolonged and weird Oscars year that 2020 slash 2021 will be. But this is a movie that's been a long time coming. We're talking about the movie that provided the Venice Award winner for Best Actress last year, Pieces of a Woman, and Vanessa Kirby's performance specifically has gotten a lot of praise and awards already. Does it have enough to carry it through the Oscar season, Michael? Well, a lot of stakes for this show yeah, today. For because, sure. Because uh, this is a movie that we've been pushing for the last couple of weeks. Thank you, Netflix. We we were able to see this one early. Uh, mm-hmm. And I thought the performances were extraordinary. I thought this was worthy of a fuller study. I, I know you're right there with me. Absolutely. But this movie's got some controversy attached to it now and i don't think it's necessarily the fault of this movie or the fault of netflix or the fault of any anyone other than one person that we're going to have to talk about today and uh we're also going to not have to talk about (laughs) politics so that's going to be the 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 stakes behind the stakes that's the subtext of today's episode (laughs) you and i not talking about what's happened this week why we didn't try to force a third episode this week because of what happened middle of oh god of our lives of our of our week of our capital god we can't talk about it. we can't allow ourselves to do it because we'll just go for 30 right minutes. exactly it's a it's a downward spiral and a slippery slope and all those other types of metaphors that'll uh just lead to me cursing into this microphone for hours on end so we're gonna try to stay on the straight and narrow here and keep this to film only famous last words you're usually better about that than i am well, we got pieces of a woman, though, Michael. We got some serious subject matter to sink our teeth into. This is important stuff. This is an important movie, and I'm I'm glad we do have the chance to look at it. Mike, the critics have been uh, positive on this movie for a while. Seventy Metascore, seventy seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes, one hundred twenty two reviews. Audiences give it a six point nine on IMDb. As you said, this movie uh, won awards at this year's Venice Film Festival, including a Best Actress. All that being said. I think people are sleeping on this movie a little bit. Like it hasn't gotten enough love for the quality of picture it is to tease our review. I mean, just those scores alone are still kind of, yes, they're good. But other than the Rotten Tomato critic score, 77, I feel like is, is fair, pretty close to proper. Mm -hmm. A 70 meta score is pretty low for what I thought that, critics would feel about this movie and a 6.9 IMDb look I mean when you're talking about IMDb or audience scores and Rotten Tomatoes yeah I could see this one being a little polarizing but nonetheless I just thought in terms of quality of picture alone it's higher all around but again we have the controversy attached to it we don't know what kind of uh cinematic political machinations are going on behind there uh, with regards to that so uh we'll see it's understandable but it's also something I hope I hope doesn't affect this film to the point where we get snubs involved because I think these are two unsnubbable performances at the very least. We're going to build to it. Mike, the plot premise of Pieces of a Woman reads, when a young mother's home birth ends in unfathomable tragedy, she begins a year-long odyssey of mourning that fractures relationships with loved ones in this deeply personal story of a woman learning to live alongside her loss. So heavy, heavy plot premise. Yeah. And in depth for uh, just the premise, and I think it pretty well covers. We we talk a lot of, on covering movies here, especially OSP specifically. These premises kind of are light or misleading. They have misdirections in them. This one I think is pretty all encompassing. I appreciate the honesty there. I appreciate yeah. the honesty of the trailer, and I I appreciate the marketing overall on this movie because they're not pulling punches. They're not hiding the ball. A Netflix and and I have had our issues with some of their marketing on mm. some of their other properties, but this I think it is important for them. I think this makes some sense to let people know what they're in for because there are some trigger warnings here. There's some trigger warnings on what we're about to talk you know talk through, and you know we're not the optimum two people to be talking through it, and we're not going to try and you know pretend to understand what I haven't going slept in three days. So we are, <laughs> yeah, we are idiots, but we're all. Also, we're also two people that are learning from a movie like this. We're learning a lot. And I, I do think uh, to, to, to get us to understand some of this, to glimpse what's happening yeah. in a movie like this is, a, is, a, is an accomplishment in itself. 
Absolutely. So let's start diving into it. If you've not joined us before for an Oscar Sprint Profile on OSP, what you get is two reviews for the price of one, like always. Uh, the first half of every OSP, like this first half will be, is a non-spoiler review. So if you've not seen Pieces of a Woman yet, and it is available now on Netflix, uh, you will not have that movie spoiled for you here in the first half of our review. You will get a spoiler warning in the middle of the episode, and in the show notes, you can see exactly where that comes up, followed by the spoiler-filled review. We will go all over the plot and in-depth into the script in the second half of this review like always but let's start with expectations michael i expected this movie to be a bit of a letdown and it exceeded Hmm. my expectations i also expected so why well coming out of the festivals you read a lot of criticisms and and not all criticisms but i guess some criticism saying that this movie kind of started off with a half hour that was just you know uh something cinematic that we've never seen before 30 minutes of this home birth that in terms of a cinematic, what it, a cinematic goods that it's, I mean, it's a it's a war film. It's a fucking action sequence. It is yeah. physicality on display. It is gut punching. It is punishing. It is. I've never seen thirty minute home birth on on screen before. It, it really is something else. And then the rest of the movie doesn't live up to that, according to some of these critics. I disagree. I think there are. You know, there there are moments in Act Two. There are sequences in Act Two. There there's a there's a finale that more than lives up to it. Do you have to go through some lulls to get there? Yes, but I, I was I was going into this movie thinking that it was going to be this parade of sadness, especially after the half hour point. I don't think that's the case. I think that you're you're gripping and you're you're battling what you saw in the first thirty yeah. minutes. And. To that end, this isn't my expectations. This is kind of the opposite, but this is where my mind's going right now. The first time we watched this, I took it in, thought it was a good movie. We were we were fortunate enough to see a Q&A with Martin Scorsese because of Netflix. Yeah. Uh, that, was, that was all great. He's an executive producer on this. Uh, the second time, I just rewatched this for the second time yesterday as we record this here on the uh, 8th of January. And I was surprised the runtime was two hours and six minutes. And I actually texted you. I was like, wait, is this longer than the cut we got to see a couple (laughs) weeks ago? And it wasn't. And it was just I didn't realize how quickly these two hours and six minutes went for me because you're really I mean, like you said, they do a great job of making those events very cinematic and very engrossing and you want more of it. And it's. Really, really just a a highly made, professionally well-done film all around for that end. I think the storytelling is incredible. And uh, I'm going to praise it throughout this review, uh, give you reasons why. I think there's some nitpicks and there's some issues. There's some straight-up issues with this film that that I do do think I discovered, at least in terms of my, you know, speak for myself. Uh, I think you, as a lawyer, you're going to have an issue, or you had an issue on your first watch. Probably less of one than you would think, but yeah, it's there. Okay. So I, I discovered a few things that that bothered me upon rewatch, but overall, I would agree with you. I went into this kind of dreading the rewatch. I hate to say, like, oh, really? I, I, I saw that the first time, and it really impacted me. It made me cry, and I was like, "Oh God, can I really put myself through this?" Right. So I definitely deflected last night. I watched three episodes of Bridgerton. Before I got to this, Michael, <laughs> I, let me report. Bridgerton is as good as Everton. <laughs> anyway, no. I, so you're I, three of the 67 million views, huh? I am now because I was delaying this rewatch, but I should not have been afraid of this rewatch. I mean, this is so well made uh, that uh, and the performances are so good and it's such a relatable story somehow. How they get, you know, schmoes like you and me to relate to this and empathize. It's not that it's hard to empathize, but it's, you know, the fact that we can learn to understand some of what she's going through is is a feat of storytelling and uh, uh, that, that, that I'm just so grateful for. Well, let's dive into the performances and the review of those because those have the majority of the hype from this, uh, rightfully so. I think I speak for both of us when I say that. We can start with the lead. Vanessa Kirby, Michael, what are her accolades on all the award sites? Yeah, Variety has her second, Clayton Davis there. Uh, she's sixth on the Feinberg forecast right now, so Scott's a little lower. I wonder if that has more to do with momentum and word of mouth than it does performance merit based. He is reporting and forecasting right. based on for, he's forecasting based on his reporting. So exactly. yeah, that makes sense. In terms of Gold Derby, twenty one out of twenty five experts have uh, Vanessa Kirby in their fives for lead actress. Four of them have her winning. She is third on Next Best Picture, and they did this cool new thing on all their predictions where they basically do the average. 
of of all ten of their uh, mm-hmm. uh, their top tens, and I really like their new format there. So go to nextbestpicture.com, look at the new way they're doing things. So she's third in terms of the power rankings up top there. Look, we got top candidates that are unsnubbable in this category. Frances McDormand, Viola Davis, Carrie Mulligan's kind of getting there, I think. She had a big weekend, I feel like, last weekend on film Twitter especially. Her name was batted about a lot as people got to see Promising Young Woman for themselves. The, I, I think she's deserving. I, I think uh, we're going to you know, review that movie in the coming weeks. and we're gonna You've be... seen it. I have not. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for you to see it. Yeah. But I do think Vanessa Kirby is a tier above Carrie Mulligan. I you know, get mad at me, at me, I guess whatever. Vanessa Kirby is is one, in my opinion, one of the best performances of the year in any acting category. I think this is something that is unsnubbable. I think it's next level and I don't care who else is coming out. I understand that kind of locks me into a five with Michelle Pfeiffer because I had huge praise for Michelle Pfeiffer. And now that Zendaya is about to crash the party, Mike, Mm. with Malcolm and Marie also Mm -hmm. coming to Netflix. And Scott Feinberg, a lot of pundits are jumping on that, or really starting that bandwagon for Zendaya. We've talked about the Emmys bump before. Yeah, it's an. I was just going to say, it's an easy bandwagon to get on right now, this year specifically. But the casualty should not be Vanessa Kirby. And I don't no. know who the casualty is going to be, but... I feel like the casualty is going to be Michelle Pfeiffer, but that, I think that's a, right. a different... I think this is, because of the Netflix platform, mm-hmm. I don't see a world in which she gets snubbed. I mean, this is too available... It's too good, and I don't know what more you want from somebody that's nom like you. You've said this about a bunch of performances we've reviewed in past years. This to me is a performance that gets nominated every year, especially if it was done by a major studio, which this one now is. Yeah, I agree. If people watch this movie, I do think she comes out as an obvious nom, and I think the same could be said for Ellen Bernstein. I think even more so with in terms of how wide open the supporting actress category mike how wide open that is right now ellen bernston is the no-brainer of the season for me she's fourth on next next best picture but again you know scott's reporting on what he's hearing she's eighth on the hollywood reporter in the feinberg forecast she's fourth on variety i would think that in a supporting actress race where again there's two obvious nominees olivia coleman and amanda seyfried from right. the father and make after that the critics have jumped on minari's ya Jung yoon i expect her to get nominated because of that momentum we th- we think that's happening yep. otherwise ellen bernston should be in uh, like an obvious pick you have glenn close in a terrible movie doing good things yeah we're, we're on the record there maria bakalova i was blown away by her performance you don't think it's Oscar-y, but I mean, people out there are, are debating that right now. I would be happy to be wrong. Yeah, I mean, I have no problem with that. Ellen Burst. Hmm. I mean, I haven't seen The Father yet, but if Anthony Hopkins can do better than what Ellen Bernstein's doing in this movie, he's a he has to be nominated. She, this is be. I'll try to refrain and resist or restrain myself from making more political comments than this one, but. <laughs> Ellen Burstyn's stare towards Shia LaBeouf in this movie is what Mitt Romney was doing to the back of Josh Hawley's head after what happened on the Capitol uh, this past week. Like he would, if if any human being could ever actually fire daggers out of their eyes, it's Ellen Burstyn and and what Mitt Romney went through. Like she is terrifying without saying a word in this movie. And you really. You really benefit from having established theatrical film directors and established playwright here because she understands that you know on the stage what you need is the, all these characters to just have these showdowns with one another mm-hmm. and that's what you get. And the only person who could stand up to a performance like Vanessa Kirby's given in this movie yeah. is an Ellen Bernstein wearing her uh, feelings on her sleeves. It, it, it is a Shia LaBeouf because he has the capability to do that, even though we're going to have our other issues. Right. As an actor, he's got the talent. And then we talk about the other things coming up that are going to actually hurt this movie, we think, and unfortunately so. And a character actress like Molly Parker, Mike. Molly Parker is the sneaky MVP of this movie with what she's doing as an assist person in this in this ensemble, uh, setting up these other characters for their showcase moments and then 
you know, doing so much without dialogue. I mean, her fidgeting and her, the, the way she just stares and her eyes well over with tears in certain scenes. Yeah. I am so impressed with Molly Parker going up against these situations, these scenarios. She's just looking off camera at times and you just see an ocean of feeling in her eyes. Her character may be the leader in the clubhouse right now for character who says the most when they're saying nothing in multiple scenes in this movie. Like the lulls that she has in her dialogue and delivery, this one scene in particular in the beginning of the movie, I'm going to talk about it in spoilers. It's one of my favorites. Her approach to that line of dialogue is just like I was jumping out of my seat in how I would react versus if I heard somebody say that to me in that moment. But it's just, I don't, she has no shot at being nominated. I don't Mm -hmm. think, well, and that's, I think she's, that's the fault of Ellen Bernstein, because Ellen Bernstein's in the same category. It's not Molly sure. Park, Parker's sure. fault. And it's not Ellen Bernstein's. Right, and Molly Parker's not a huge part of this movie. But that being said, I wouldn't be surprised if she ends up in my top five when we do the Mike, Mike, and Oscars. She's there for me right now, buddy. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I think she, I think I have two uh, supporting actress performances and one lead actress performance that are just obvious to me Mm -hmm. and look i mean they're not perfect performances they're messy scenes that they're involved in and some of these scenes have some tonal shifts that don't don't necessarily work as we're about to get into script thoughts but i do think we have a battle axe in in ellen bernstein going toe-to-toe with her daughter who is just tough as nails this is a performance that it should go down as one of the best of the year and i know people are looking to to move other great performances into their fives and this is a tough watch uh, let's let's not sugarcoat it it's a tough watch and now the fact that we have controversy with Shia LaBeouf and it's it's understandable that people are kind of you know reviling from him these days because of what he's done what he what he's allegedly done or what what he's admitted to for Christ's sake yeah I, I mean, I, this is this is a great performance by Shia LaBeouf, the actor, but Shia LaBeouf, the person, yeah. uh, seems unwell. I mean, he seems like he needs help, first of all, and he seems like a, a doing a person doing bad things to other people. And that's, I mean, that's that's being blunt about it. I mean, the things he stands accused of are gross and inhumane, I think. His apology, which seemed to be saying a lot of the right things, the way... It was received was like him admitting all of his guilt, mm-hmm. and I I, under, I understand people taking that stance with him. I mean, this has been an, a very abusive person, and it's it's a year of abuse according to FK Twigs, and you know from the videos of of him and Mia Goth that were leaked out a couple years ago, uh, the fact that he was thrown off the music video of, of Rain Qualley's uh, that that Olivia Wilde was was shooting for Margaret Qualley's sister, yep. who then broke up with Shia, and Olivia Wilde then threw him off the uh, production of her new movie. Like, all of this has been swirling over the last few weeks. And it, looks coming from someone who has seen drug addiction up close and who has seen drug addiction turn people into... Addiction turn people into monsters. People mm-hmm. who are not monstrous people, who are happy people. I mean, the, the drugs do this, but... Should a person who has, who is still dealing with those things, be making all of your, your art at home? I mean, right. should, that's the biggest question here. I mean, should we be glorifying his artistic prowess? Right on and screen. There's there's two separate questions. One I think is, does he deserve to be doing this? To me, the entertainment industry is a privilege. I mean, be you know, we're it's it's if not for but for the fans, movie stars don't make their money, right? Yeah. Uh, at least that's how I view it. So because it's it's that kind of parasocial relationship in a lot of ways, you can't separate the actor from the person. Right. Like you can't. They're one and the same. And if the person is bad, I can see. This is the second question. Does it take away from the movie overall? I can see why it would. I don't think it should. And I think there's kind of this weird threshold, too, in the movie where because Shia's part isn't, you know, the main character, he's mm-hmm. in he's out of the movie enough where I don't think it does take away a lot for me because it's Vanessa Kirby's movie and it's Vanessa right. Kirby and, and, and Ellen Bernstein's movie, particularly and specifically. But that all being said, you, it's tough. You cannot overlook Shia LaBeouf. You can't separate the act. You can't separate the performance from what the man did. 
And as audience members, we've gone 12 rounds with Shia LaBeouf before. We've mm-hmm. seen him grow up, and then we've seen him characterize his upbringing with Honey Boy last year. And we so we understand that he's been through the ringer as a person, and we have empathy and sympathy for him. And, you know, the, the question arises from a lot of male perspectives like mine. I can't help it. I can't help but wonder if this is a bad guy or if this is a sick guy or if this is a a guy that's you know fighting off these demons but then you understand when when you read fk twigs and you read her accusations and you read how this happened over months and months of time and is he just saying the perfect thing because he's conditioned to say the perfect thing in right. terms of an apology afterwards and this is just a, this is happening year after year with Shia LaBeouf and i right. know he wrote honey boy as as part of his rehab, and it mm-hmm. was, it's one of those things where like Vincent Van Gogh is cutting off his ear, but he's also producing some of the best art ever. I mean, do we have to have the torture? Yeah, but it's artists? more, it's more, it's more evil than that too. I mean, you're do, you're yeah. directly impacting other. You know, I I know it's it's just it's gross. It's gross. And here we thought we were in the middle of like this career renaissance too. Right. We were talking glowingly about him all last year, and then you see the horror he's putting other people through that he supposedly cares about, and I, I'm sure he does care about them, but it's just again, it, for for me looking at it from that it's really tough i i find it impossible to separate one from the other and cancel culture is there for a reason i mean we've talked about the pros and cons of cancel culture how many times on our show with the me too movement yeah and we've talked about the the pros and we've talked about the issues i think you know in almost equal measure and it's just this is a situation where we have uh, an excellent film, an important film, talking about subject matters that will help people with what the characters in this movie are dealing with. And right. it happens to so so many people are suffering silently right. from these these uh, these stories that they've lived in their own lives. I mean, from a, from a regular mis and it is regular a miscarriage. People who have yeah. suffered miscarriage and the loss of that to the to the obviously to the to the situations that we have in this film. Uh, to stillbirth. To, I mean, this writer has personal experience. Kata Weber has personal experience with what's going on, and she hearkens to the fact that so many women have that experience. And Shia LaBeouf is a small part of this movie and shouldn't detract from what this movie is accomplishing as we finally do get into script thoughts, Michael. So I, I, I wonder how... I wonder how the Academy is going to look at pieces of a woman and if they're going to forgive the association with LaBeouf. I hope they're able to separate Shia from the rest of the movie. I mean, this isn't his movie. No, it's not. By by no stretch of the imagination. And in fact, his character is a detriment to to the main character of this movie. I mean, he's an antagonist. Yeah. He becomes an antagonist for, for uh, Martha's character. Sean becomes an antagonist for Martha as does uh, Ellen Bernstein. And this movie builds to the showdowns uh, between them. So, and I think that's all handled beautifully in terms of the the you know the what Vanessa Kirby has to go through and how the character is expected. I mean, she's covered in shame, thrust upon her by other people, mm-hmm. but it turns out not in the way that she thinks they're putting it upon her. I mean, it's it's all it's it's so well done. It's just three different viewpoints of people personally impacted by this loss. None more so or more important than, obviously, Vanessa Kirby, who suffers it physically and personally and emotionally and all that stuff. But it's just the the three different viewpoints, how they're so dynamic in their approach. And to interweave them together in the way this script does really is something. I thought the script is kind of fairly underrated. I think you talked about it in the pre-show where you're like, I relate to Ellen Bernstein. I relate to Sean's character. I can't help but relate to those characters based well, on the quality of the writing. Yeah, that's I mean that's the magic of movies for me. Like I obviously and you you prefaced this already, we're two white dudes who will never be able to actually understand what Vanessa Kirby's character is feeling. Right. Like well, not that's even just close. it's not gonna be right. It's not We're glimpsing but, this in a two Exactly. Hour. Right. But because, you know, again, the Sean character I'm able to relate to because when I have a loved one that's going through something that I can't fix, I 
to spiral. Like I need to fix it for them. And when I can't, I don't know what to do with myself. I, I, you know, whether you lash out by punching a car or or just like saying fuck in the middle of a meeting with a doctor or something, we all lash out in some way. And that's the magic of movies for me. When you're able to pick a character to relate to, even though you may not be able to, it may not be the protagonist. I mean, that's what the movie can do. That's how I think, you know, it's a good script and good direction. And she wrote this with longtime partner and longtime collaborator, uh, you know, theatrical. Uh, his his resume in the theater is something else. Her resume in the theater uh, is that th- they've been working together since school. Cornell Mundruxo, and I think this is this is the like the time where a director really comes into his own and really. He, he just bursts onto the scene and you're going to have mm. to see the next five films that these two make because this this is a pairing where I think they, they really understand what's going on. They're moving the camera, Mike, at times where, where it just syncs up perfectly with the actions on screen. You have this steady cam going on in terms of the cinematography. I, I'm really impressed with the overall direction of a movie like this, even though I do think... And understandably so, the movie has to have lulls in tempo. You have to come off of these just, you know, tense experiences, these these as intense, you know, a, a dramatic scene can be. You have to come away with that. You have to brood for a while. You have to show time going a little slow. You have to show the grief, grieving process mm-hmm. go a little slow. And, you know, I have my quibbles with how that goes, but I, I do think that this is this is a well composed film and, and I, I to get into production values now Mike I think the cinematography is a standout Benjamin Loeb of Mandy who did a great job with Mandy that Nicolas Cage horror movie last year I mean the elevator shots the reflections on the glass when she's in a shop or she's on the city streets of Boston there which is it's filmed in Montreal but showing Boston I mean like I said the steady cam the theatrical the long takes of how the Steadicam captures a family dinner, and that sequence was just electric. I think he shifts focus when she sits down at her desk at the office. He shifts focus to show her eventually just tapping the keyboard. I'm just I'm in awe of Benjamin Loeb. This is a talent, and it's it's not on the awards radars or the awards circuits, except for awards circuit. That is, it's not on people's minds for cinematography right now. Seventeenth on Variety for Benjamin Loeb is the best I saw for you know Clayton Davis there so i I think the cinematography is being slept on as well yeah and i'm one sleeping on it because i think i take cinematography and camera movements for granted sometime and the way that you say you're scored up i become a little like i i I definitely take uh shots for granted and camera movements for granted because i just become so if the script and direction is good enough and the characters are giving me enough to feast on i really don't even pay mind to where the camera's moving. It's just show me what I need to see. I I think of it like a video game almost. So I I may be one sleeping on it. And that's what I was going to ask you about that because I I think you're higher on it than I am. But do you think it's awards worthy? How do you think it stacks up against what we've seen so far this year? I think it's going to wind up being like a top 10, top 15 for me, probably like 12th or 13th. I don't have it in my five right now. I have it just outside of it, but I, I I, sh- I think this cinematography should be drawn. You know, more attention should be paid to it. At the end of the day, I don't necessarily think it's any lesser than. It's just, I mean, the thing is, it's a top tier uh, DP job. I I think the shots of the river when she walks into the hallway and she's having that blowout with her mother. I mean, my God, what he's able to do with the apple tree at the end. I, mm. I'm 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 really impressed. And I, I, you know, I keep, I get, I'm getting repetitive now because I'm gushing. This is just a gush fest <laughs> portion of the program. I, I, I just, I, I rewatched this movie this morning. Like I put it on without the sound because I couldn't listen and do what I had to do. Mm-hmm. But I, I just, and I, I wrote like another five things because I'm like, oh my god, this, this guy is is shooting the hell out of this thing. I think how you feel about the cinematography, ironically, is how I feel about the score too because mm-hmm. I, I like. I think the score is something people can take for granted. And it's it's seen it sounds pretty simplistic. It's very piano based and like single keynote piano based, but it's effective and it's certainly effective in in the mood setting, the feelings of remorse and sadness and emotional strife, which obviously are all feelings that would come with an event like this and and it would kind of engulf your life in that way and so that's kind of how you would feel whether or not you actually hear those song, sounds in real life or not. But uh, I, I don't know how the score would be received in like an award setting. I, I would be surprised if it finishes top five because it's almost like 
if you're not paying attention to it, I could see how you would miss it. And again, it's being underrated right now. The, uh, Clayton Davis is on this movie uh, better than most pundits or, or more than most pundits, I'd say. And he's got it 11th on Variety. And it's Howard Shore. So this is like an established composer. Right. So and, and he's, he's been there before. So that maybe his name will help him in that category more than, than and Pieces of a Woman is showing up uh, in other categories right now. But... I just think this is a well-composed across-the-board production design, Agreed. costumes. Everything's great. I just, you know, I don't know if it's getting any momentum uh, elsewhere in the Oscars. So to wrap up the non-spoiler sec- section, Mike, with this Oscar lens, we can have a prediction, and we can have, uh, I, 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 we can have a, specula- a speculative segment. But I, I think it all winds up being the the same landing spot, right? Well. I, let's let's approach it as an over under. If I put the over under at two and a half, what are you going with? I'm going with under. I'm going with so under I. because I think this. At the end of the day, this is this is two obvious yeah. nominations. It should be two obvious nominations, and the Academy needs to nominate these two people. I completely agree with that. I I, I don't understand how. Again, I know I say this pretty much every review with something I like, but especially in the year that was 2020 with the available options, I don't know how. Uh, Burst and, and Kirby get overlooked in those categories. It, it only gets overlooked if people are afraid to watch the movie or if, you know, and again, it's understandable if Shia LaBeouf poisons people on this movie. And I, yeah. I, I get it. I get those trigger warnings. Well, as much that as would be I such could. A shame. That would be it, it such would, a shame. As much as we can understand it, we do understand it. But it would be a shame. It would be a damn shame because Vanessa Kirby, Alan Bernstein, in my, brain, in my head, they're no-brainers nominate yeah. them and i think vanessa kirby and ellen bernstein should both be contenders i think it goes beyond yeah, I do too. nomination i think at the end of the day for the mike mike and oscars we're gonna be we're gonna be thinking about those two as, as getting trophies yeah i completely agree and, and i mean obviously it goes without saying but give this a watch it's it's heavy i mean you know don't be prepared for a light fun-hearted night at the movies but it's it's definitely worth your time worth your time spoilers ahead this is a spoiler This is the spoiler section for the Oscar Sprint Profile review of Pieces of a Woman that is streaming now on Netflix, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. If you've not seen the movie yet, this is a good place for you to hit pause on us. Go check it out for yourself. We'll be here waiting for you to come back and hit play. If you've seen the movie already or you're just curious to hear our thoughts, this is where we go all into the twists and turns of the plot and give our takes on them. Uh, Pieces of a Woman, the Oscar Sprint Profile, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Michael, where are we starting? I wanted to start with the story structure, the plot structure here for a second, because okay. I am impressed with the with how they pulled this off. And again, I think you need people who understand the stage, right? They to pull off a thirty-minute cold open in one setting in like yeah. three, three rooms of one setting for this home birth that brings you to tears, that brings you to the utter horror of what we just wit- witnessed and how brutally just gut punching it is when she realized that her that her daughter died after giving birth to her and after the grueling experience that that was i I, i've never seen a movie do this before unless it's like an action film i mean saving private ryan's uh storming of d-day was the thing that jumped into my brain first when i thought of cold opens like this we don't get a title card till 31 minutes into this movie mike i love that too by the way i just love that Uh, you know just imagine pitching that to a studio exec at a table like but i'm not going to tell the people what the name of the movie is until it's a third over (laughs) and you're in mid gasp like your mouth is open your jaws drop mid gasp you get the title card so this is exactly the scene i referred to and teased in the non-spoiler section too when when so molly parker plays ava who's the 
replacement midwife. midwife yep. Right. She's not there. She's not Shia LaBeouf and Vanessa Kirby's normal midwife. There's been a change because their normal midwife had to go to a different labor. So Molly Parker's Ava gets called in when Ava knows something's going wrong with the baby. We're kind of left as viewers to say, are how bad is it? Because she does eventually react to say, we got to call the hospital. We got to yes. call the ambulance, but it takes her a while to get to that point. And so we're left wondering, is she dragging her feet on this? Is she kind of ignoring her professional responsibility? Is she taking a chance unnecessarily? Or does she actually think she's in control of the situation? And that's what I said when her approach to the line, when she's explaining to Shia LaBeouf what's going on with the baby, and, and, and Sean, Shia's character, reacts, well, but we're still good, right? And she's there's this long silence of mm-hmm. her. She's not looking out off desperately. She's not looking off like she's hiding something. But she takes so long to just finally come back to him that, yeah, we're good, and give him that reassurance. If that happened to me when my, life was, my wife was in labor and screaming out in the pain and agony she is as a home birth, I need to make sure everything's okay with my new baby, my first baby, like... I, I was yelling. I was like, "What do you? What, what does that mean? Why didn't you respond yeah. quicker? What do you Wrong mean? Answer. That's okay." I, I, again, you know, you and I can only guess right. at what right. we do because we'd be freaking out. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a saying to kids that I coach. I work with high school kids, and if they don't immediately like embrace like a challenge that that mm-hmm. I give them at some point, I'll say I'll just flat out tell them I'll be like, "Wrong answer." You know, I need right. you, to be, you know, <laughs> hey, be more confident. You just you should be more. I, I try to spin it. I don't just leave them with that. I try to spin mm-hmm. it and say, "Hey, be more confident. You've earned the confidence here." But yeah, that would be a wrong answer moment for me. Like, ah, wrong answer. I'm calling the hospital. <laughs> I, mean, I was probably sus- you know I, I'm suspicious of that. You know, anyway, going in and every everybody coming out of this movie is 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 in the same boat like we are mm-hmm. all suspicious of home births at the end of this film i do think that is something that uh ellen bernstein drives home i'm just plain suspicious of women who opt not to have drugs in that circumstance right i don't know how they do <laughs> i can it. never relate obviously and i don't know what i'm talking about but to me give me drugs so tough as nails i mean and <laughs> here's the thing like this is an art form that that is such a wrestling match that sequence where i have issues mike my whole mmo catalog here i have issues with screaming and yelling and you know audio you hate uncut gems uncut gems drove me insane mm-hmm. uh honeyland was just nothing but screaming and yelling and cows and neighing and <laughs> the birthing sequence to be fair before. so are most of our recordings in person right birthing <laughs> i'm not gonna I'm not gonna say no if you just admit to it no most of the birth sequences in movies before have have been audible nightmares for me and i don't necessarily draw attention to them because my god the real thing is probably so much worse right who the hell be. are you to complain and who about the hell right. am i who the exactly. hell am i i'm an ass right so this is not this was not an audio monstrosity to our ears this was her just gutting through it and i I guess it makes sense for her character when you think about how stone cold she needed to be and how 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 she goes through the rest of the movie so stoic and obviously we understand that this is a pot boiling stoicism this is her you know white knuckling it for too long and that's going to yeah. be paid off so the first thing I did after watching this movie for the first time was google does uh, Vanessa Kirby have children <laughs> she is so realistic and just so like I, again I, I'm, I feel like I'm going to say this every time I have a take on this movie but I have no idea about childbirth I know that I have not lived through it I do not have a wife that, you know I, I, I know nothing Me neither. I just We're know about dumps. what I'm yeah right, right exactly <laughs> I know about what I see <laughs> on screen and to me that was so believable and I think because it felt so believable is why we felt like it was not ear shredding or not crazy and again who the hell are we to criticize a woman in labor anyway i get that but i I think that's part of the reason like it actually felt like a woman a strong badass woman gritting through this home birth to deliver her child yeah i mean the performance of a great athlete i mean it's the scene that just keeps moving and again the camera work is spectacular the the performances just are unlike what you've seen before and molly parker uh, is, is shining there as well, and, and mm-hmm. Shia LaBeouf. He's doing a great job in the, in that sequence. Uh, to come out of that, and then you have like this 
emptiness, this lull. You, there's no way to live up to that. So Act Two, where this family falls apart, where they do have some... oh, it's just gut punch. I mean, it's gut punch after. I mean, immediately from that movie, we this movie takes place in dates, mm-hmm. as you know if you've saw. There's title cards for different dates. Immediately we go from she lost her baby. Mm-hmm. For the first half hour of this movie, too, she's going back to work. Yeah, going into work, and everybody's looking at her. Oh my God! There's the woman who just lost her child. She's running into children, young girls in the mall, and we don't see the cameras only shooting her from the neck up, and we see her looking at this little girl, looking longingly, and the little girl staring at her quizzically. And why? Because the camera pans up. She still has the scars from motherhood from this baby she lost. Her breasts are still producing milk. She's yeah. wearing adult diapers still. We still. It's just like it's just a gut punch after a gut punch. My God, how do you deal with these human scars of something that was taken from you? And how she plays each and every one of those interactions is different. Mm. I, I can't, like, it's it's Vanessa Kirby showcasing what Leonardo DiCaprio told to Julia Butters, right? <laughs> I like when, that. When Leo said, you can't deliver lines the way the audience w- would expect you to deliver lines. You have to give them the unexpected. And from her laughing in her laughing, face, laughing, Michael, laughing at her mother, pleading with her to not hallway, give her dead baby to science. In that hallway, for her to turn the blowout cry fit of her husband into a moment where you see all the gears turning into her head her looking through the room like peering around Mm -hmm. the doorway understanding in that moment that he is spiraling down again and that this is that she is basically deciding what her next move is being as someone who's had to deal with an addict before, like I could see her in that moment that she's deciding in that moment what she needs to tell this person to, to if she can help this person. I mean, she's giving up on him in that moment, unfortunately. And you but understand you, why if you've, I mean, if you've ever had to deal with that before. So uh, it's just brutal. It's just one gut. And you should go from there to the tombstone engraver, Mike. That oh, scene, my God. Oh. Want to give a shout out to Elijah Schlesinger, who plays uh, Vanessa Kirby's sister. And that she doesn't have a big role, but she's the concerned sister, and she's also the reality check at times. Like, mm-hmm. hey, asshole, it's been months. I know Get you're still therapy. sad and moping, <laughs> but yeah, like, fucking mom's gonna burn the house down if you don't, you know. Like, yep. I'm going, I'm acting as a go between, which is fine, but it's also been six months of this. It, right. it, it's just so real. It's so relatable, like you said in the non-spoiler section. For Act Two to culminate in another like one take masterpiece going through that house that starts off fairly innocent that turns on a conversation after the white stripes stuff that their two husbands are talking about uh, with sappy brother yeah the best part of that scene (laughs) is uh the brother-in-law being like i heard something deep from my pastor the other day he said uh, oh Time heals all wounds. I wanted and to puke. I, the I was Sean, so, the Sean so character's awkward. reaction is like, "Whoa, yeah." It's like that. Like, how many times have we been with a friend and we just have we have no idea what to say as they're going through something, and you just say something, and you're like, in your own head, that was the stupidest thing. <laughs> I yep. felt so. I was. I was laughing. I wanted to eat his whole foot. I wanted him to eat his whole foot. Like the only way he could have survived that scene was to stick his whole foot in his mouth and just eat it right then. Yeah, no, it's just the nightmare of all nightmares. I was so affected on rewatch of him delivering that line that I literally was nauseous. And I I agree. That that was only the setup though of the whole sequence. You Mm -hmm. have Ellen Bernstein, you have Ellen Bernstein talking about how she stages rooms and it's just so passive. She is not even, I don't even call it passive aggressive. She's just aggressive. From the moment you meet her, she's like, she's, you know, she's buying them a van and she's like, you should be grateful to me for buying you the fucking van. Don't be grateful to him for selling you the car and taking a commission. Like, oh my God, she's but a then she, But then one. she, like, I thought she was just that character, but then when she shows her cards later in that same scene and she's like, you know, I'm just asking you to fight for your life. Like, I, I, yes, I I do have shame about what you're going through, now, but my I shame is because you're more, not fighting. Yeah, I would have liked more foreshadowing that she's going to drop a hammer like that. I, I like see, I like that. I like I, that a lot because it was a total misdirect for me. In a novel, 
there's you're gonna know that the mother survived the Holocaust in Nazi Germany. You're gonna know that that happened, and I know that they're from uh, Eastern Europe, the the filmmakers, and I know that they are mm-hmm. surrounded by people that probably in their families and their lives that have these stories that have lived these nightmares and especially in, in their elderly community. So maybe it's more commonplace for them. But for me, one scene in the tombstone engraver where they're arguing about uh, the American pronunciation of the name mm-hmm. uh, Yvette or their, 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 whether it's the Polish pronunciation, whatever, that wasn't quite enough for me to foreshadow that she's going to have a story <laughs> like well, that. Can I but- tell you why I liked it? Okay, I mean, go. Yeah. The reason I liked I really, it too. I just, you know, I wanted well, more. No, I, I like that it came from out of nowhere because it kind of was like, who the hell am I to judge why you why you feel this way? Like, I don't know you. I don't know your whole story. I'm seeing this glimpse in these characters' lives. Yeah. But, like, you're feeling one way about this mother character. You think she is just this ultra-passive-aggressive, holier-than-thou, shrouding you in shame. You know, we've all dealt with a mother, mother-in-law, whoever the hell, like that. We have someone like that in our lives. And then she comes with this whole angle this that's totally unexpected. And it's just kind of like a punch in the face of, like, who? Well, wow, I guess I'm a jerk for judging you in that way. And it's just... To me, it's just that everyone has their own baggage. You never really know someone. And I yeah. just think that's so real. And I, that's why I really like that. And it was real when Vanessa Kirby is finally letting her hair down. Because she was, I mean, she's provoked to that point. It's just yes, one thing absolutely. after mo- absolutely. another. You understand why she's just ripping apart her mother there. And then you understand when her mother body slams her right back. This mm-hmm. is Ellen Bernstein. And only Ellen Bernstein can do that. She gets the soliloquy of a, not a career, because she's had, but this is, this is Well, this is her award-winning one. Yeah. This, this, <laughs> is a, this is a year best soliloquy. I haven't seen a better soliloquy than this one. Uh, from Ellen Bernstein, and for her, to, I mean, you are riveted. You don't breathe when she's delivering that that story about how, you know hold, holding me up like a chicken and lift your head. Holy shit! It's so incredible. let me ask you: in that in that moment in that dialogue where Ellen Bernstein's saying, you know, you got to face this, you got to move on, you got to fight. I, I'm with you. Unbelievable delivery. I think that should win her the award, quite frankly, of supporting actress. It's what a mentor character, especially an antagonistic mentor character, needs to do, yes. But is it your belief there that Vanessa Kirby had already decided she wasn't, it wasn't the midwife's fault? Or do you think that's something she genuinely comes to after seeing the photos at the end of the movie? I think the movie shows us the stages of grief where we we spend a lot of time where she's white knuckling it in the anger stage where she's mm-hmm. really effing ripping pissed and right. then she's pissed at Shia LaBeouf and then her anger explodes and she kind of, we kind of accelerate through the other three stages pretty quick from late act 2 to act 3 but i do think this is her I think she's always been wrestling with the fact that the midwife, she doesn't necessarily blame the midwife, but I do think she's so angry that she goes along with the other stuff and she goes along with the lawsuit. She's angry at her husband and she's angry at her mother-in-law mother. And she's angry at the situation. I'm sure she was angry with the midwife at that point, but she starts to go through the other stages and then she starts to think about what's happening with this midwife. And she realizes she doesn't want to blame and she doesn't want to put pain on the midwife, as she says so, in that speech at the end that, that we're getting to here. So juxtapose that against what you saw as an audience member. What were you feeling? Do you think this was the midwife's fault or no? I think it's in part the midwife's fault. I think it's in part the the Vanessa Kirby's fault. I think it's in part nobody's fault because this kid might have died in the hospital. I mean, they. I think they're very smart in being ambiguous and not diagnosing what happened to the baby. Nobody can really tell them what happened. The lawyer brings they say up that some outright, disorder yeah. at the end. I mean, the guy the, the, hell, the guy who did the autopsy, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they're in his office and Shia Bump is, is punching something or screaming or whatever he does. He, has, he lashes out there at the guy that he can't tell him anything, what happened to the child. And at the end of the day, I think... Vanessa Kirby realizes that she'll never know, but it it it's not it's not clear that it's Molly Parker's fault. It's not the midwife's fault that she knows of, and she's not gonna she's not gonna use this situation to exploit compensation. I mean, she delivers it perfectly in that speech. I, I just think speeches like that are hard to do. They're hard to pull off, and it takes like it takes an amazing. Um, uh, the, theatrical writer it takes a stage soliloquy delivering uh, apparatus to to make something like that work 
and to make it work in the plot of a story. Otherwise, you're just given this, you know, what I learned speech at the end of a television episode. I just watched five seasons of Community. Yes, I'm still watching it. I'm watching the sixth season. I don't care. I'm going to keep watching it, Mike. <laughs> but every episode ends with this uncinematic speech from, you know, <laughs> Mr. Uh, uh, what's his? Oh, my God. How do I forget his name? The actor's name in Community. Joel Please. McHale. Joel McHale. Yeah. Every well, scene let me... ends with him, Jeff, giving a speech there. And, and that's just not cinematic. I don't want to see. I get pissed in movies when that happens. But here it is working for, for me. So, I mean, we're getting towards the ending of the movie, our discussion of the ending. Did, did You have an issues with the, the courtroom scene. But does the very end speech, does that, is that, that deliver what you needed it to? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and I, I it's that's why I asked you the question about your interpretation of it, because my my interpretation the whole time is that the midwife did nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I can tell she was hesitant. Obviously, she was unsure of herself, but I don't necessarily think she didn't. I know she didn't intentionally harm the baby. And just based on right. my knowledge, which is nothing, uh, I, I, it doesn't seem like there's anything anyone could have done based on that. So it's just I, I'm extremely curious to know if I'm wrong, if you're wrong, if there's a definitive answer out there, if anyone knows. I, I just would like to know how this movie and the midwife's approach hit other people if they thought because. When I saw the trial in the background, like mm-hmm. she gets Vanessa Kirby gets in the cab and they're going over the, the cab, uh, the taxi television is, you know, it, this trial's become famous in a way. New York News is covering it and they're recapping everything or Boston News, whatever it is. They're recapping the counts of five counts of negligence, blah, blah, blah. Like that, that all felt to me like a surprise. I was like, whoa, we're actually like I, I understood that that Vanessa Kirby's mother, Ellen Bernstein, wanted to sue. But it was a surprise to me that. It was getting traction and momentum, and because it was becoming famous, it felt to me the whole time that Vanessa Kirby was going along with it, even though she didn't really believe it, but she felt like it was a force she couldn't stop. So Mm -hmm. the end of the movie, the speech she gives at the end was her finally saying, speaking up for herself and her child that was taken from her too soon. That's kind of the interpretation I have. And and it's just, I'm just... I think this could be interpreted a lot of different ways. I hope it can anyway. I could be dead wrong. Who knows? But I I just would love to hear how this hit other people in the lead up to that final speech, which to answer your original question, absolutely, it gave me everything I needed. Well, that's what great writing does. I mean, you can relate to every character. You're on the side of each character, but you also can relate to the other characters' problems and and conflicts and grievances Mm -hmm. with the rest. And that's what great writing does. You have that moment in the, the... kitchen with Shia LaBeouf and Molly Parker and in in my mind Molly Parker probably should have called the hospital right then now I don't know and nor are we told in this movie what the right thing to do and Cotta Weber the writer of this ripped this from the headlines I mean this is based on you know issues with midwives in Eastern Europe that uh, and stories that were were in the news at the time she was writing this so I, I think she's trying to be fair and give us enough doubt in the situation without coming again. It's it's rich. the restraint not to come out and moralize at the end of this movie, and to leave it open ended in terms of who's at fault is is remarkable. And I, I I think that's perhaps one of the most therapeutic things about this that we can yeah we we recognize a lot of wrongs done on all sides. And we recognize, and, and, and Vanessa Kirby's recognizing where she was going wrong in this. But based mm-hmm. on the evidence, I mean, you're a lawyer. Based on the evidence, we don't know. I mean, there is reasonable doubt. So we should not put this woman away for five years. End of story. I mean, this, and, and Ellen Bernstein's right. I'm, or maybe she's right. I mean, she gives us that, that line before she tells the story to her daughter, which was just cutting, just brutal, when she says, if you had listened to me, you'd be holding your baby in your arms right Right. now. I mean, obviously we don't know that either, but these characters are entitled to their opinions in the movie, in the story. Now, all of that doesn't take away from the fact that if I'm Shiv or Suzanne, the lawyer, and <laughs> Vanessa Kirby starts giving that speech, I'm diving over the table to throw my hand over her mouth to stop Objection, it. Because yes. <laughs> it undoes the entire trial. Why are we here? <laughs> and there's no way, I mean, you know, form, formally speaking, just as I can see a world in which a witness to a trial like that decides they're not done giving testimony and both sides agree to let her continue to pontificate and the judge says it's okay i don't think she would leave the courtroom and come back and have that opportunity i think if she was it was all take place in the stand for that to happen but okay i mean trial prep you're not going to let the witness say something that you're not prepared for that's that's not going to happen 
and that was happening seemingly throughout that cross-examination, which I do think was right. a good scene. Like, you could tell right. that Vanessa Kirby's more But as soon as she took the stand, like, Mike, as soon yeah. as she took, Vanessa Kirby took the stand, I was, I have in my notes, I'm like, why the hell is she taking the stand in her current mental state? Why would the state want her to testify in her current, like, there's there's holes. But unlike the trial of Chicago 7, the, the lawyer logistical part of this is such a small, insignificant part of the movie, it doesn't take away, even for me, for anything. Yeah, and, I, and like I said, I'm a big fan of the speech. I'm a big fan of where it goes. I'm a big fan of the dramatization of her going to the photographer and her seeing that picture between her and her baby. I think that, I mean, that's that, that it really worked at the yeah, end of the I day. Agree. And I it agree. was cinematic enough, uh, you know, uh, to, to, to really drive it home. Mike, uh, we kind of went through a lot of best, uh, the other best scenes. I think, you know, the standout number one is the continuation of. The Ellen Bernstein, uh, Vanessa Kirby showdown with the Ellen Bernstein, Shia LaBeouf showdown, where she basically she buys him off uh, in that moment. I, I, I just one of the best scenes of the year, in my opinion, the second half of that blowout argument there. Could you imagine not only the poise in Ellen Bernstein's character to go from the Vanessa Kirby conversation to d- immediately to that next conversation? First of all, can you imagine? Being Sean and having your mother-in-law tell you, I've never liked you, and then having the resolve to just respond to that with a self-deprecating joke at your own expense to make them laugh. Like, I, I, I that's amazing to me. For I, I wouldn't be able to do that. But to to have that conversation, Ellen Burstyn's character go from one conversation to the next, mm-hmm. and then Vanessa Kirby has to drive him to the train station? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Brutal. Like that, oh my God, what is this woman, what more can this be put through? I, I mean, Ellen Bernstein in that scene was like Christopher Plummer in Knives Out, where she's just like, he's going on a rampage throughout the family. And then, yeah, yeah Vanessa Kirby is like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like, I mean, hi, honey, I, your mother paid me off to leave your life. Can you give me a ride to go away forever? Does what? she know, does she know that that the mother paid her off paid him off? I, I again again that's one of the things that could be interpreted. I took it as yes. Did you not? I guess I guess you have to you have to wonder. But uh, then again, he did mention he wanted to go to Seattle several right. times. But she would be totally suspicious that all right, he's selling the car, mm-hmm. he's selling our car for drug money, right? I mean, he's back. He's 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 addicted again. So the mother bought the car, but he's selling it for drug money. And she's 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 going to bookstores and and getting books on addiction, more books on addiction to kind of figure out where he's at here, relapsing. And yeah, she has to wonder what the mother did. And it's is she angrier at the mother in that moment, or is she at peace with it? And her, she realizes does his the existence her. in her life only bring her pain at that point? I don't. Yeah, I, I, yes, it does. I mean, that that was the most disgusting sex scene ever i mean it's a rape oh and that's i mean when rape. we got i was gonna save it for worse but that's i mean knowing what we know about shia labeouf now that scene the scene where he throws the ball they're so tough to watch they're just impossible because and again you can't separate the act you know like it's just it's gross it is and you know i i don't i don't know what goes through his head to take on a role like this even if he's dealing with this shit in his real life yeah. and he's gotta ha- he's gotta act like he's relapsing in a in a story i wonder if that just makes it or anyway it's a whole nother podcast mike when when he stares down uh ellen bernstein and takes the check and then he's out on the stoop with with shiv uh what's her name mike shiv i keep going i got it it here succession Suzanne is her character's name. Sarah Sh- Sarah Snook is the actress. Sarah name. Snook, learn her name because she's just incredible, and she <laughs> yeah, obviously she is. she's awesome in, in Succession. And when they're on this the the stoop talking about dogs and cats and mice crispies, I mean, I I am so <laughs> blown away by the tonal shifts of this movie and how they pull them pull them off uh, w- with these sequences. I, I really I really think this is a well written script. And I, I again to come full circle to the beginning. I have issues with the fact that this is this is such a slowdown in terms of what critics like. Are critics not paying attention? Again, do do people have trigger warnings with this? I mean, that's perfectly reasonable. And they shut down when they watch a movie like this. I mean, we've seen people shut down watching important, watching stuff that. 
that has trigger warnings to it? And is this something that critic, critics don't want to necessarily deal with? I wonder if that's going to affect the Academy as well, because this is so widespread. These are such, uh, these are issues that everybody faces to a degree, right? Yeah, I, I mean, that, that, and we know the Academy, despite their best efforts, tends to not be the most progressive uh, in terms of mass thinking right. sometimes. So that could definitely be something at play here. I, I just would really hope it's not like Vanessa Kirby's new. It's not like Ellen Bernstein is a neophyte. Like, I would hope that these are two performances you could separate out from anything else related to this film. I mean, if we're going to celebrate the best... I know it's really stupid of me to act hopeful and hoping that the Academy can just pick the best ever. I know that's stupid, but, like, it'd be great if it could happen here. Yeah, I understand how a movie like this can touch a lot of nerves. Right. And even, like, a trailer, even knowing what the story's going to be, it's touching nerves, so people are going to have a hard time putting in the screener and and clicking on this on Netflix, and that's unfortunate because the, the quality... That, that that's happening here is is really top tier especially with this year you know and and I, it's time for final grades right i mean i yep. think i think this is another b plus movie i think i've i've been fortunate to get a lot of b pluses this year so you know we had our quibbles with it you know him yelling at the river is another worst for me uh <laughs> do we need the apple uh, arts and crafts apple seed arts and crafts stuff all right objective correlative all right fine she that's her tree right that's the tree that she has to be again i forgive it because of the cinematography but wouldn't a tree that big to come from seeds that small take decades to get that large oh they they can't but it's not all right it's not her (laughs) it's not her tree i mean that was one of my hang-ups too i'm like wait a minute she would have to be like 60 70 years old at this point to have a job like that and moves to an orchard somewhere (laughs) she's planting those seeds somewhere right it's it's an overt metaphor it is it is i'm thinking one of my worst i don't like shia labeouf yelling at the river and i don't like the apple seed stuff i get why you have to do it t.s Eliot, fine but do we need it no so I have some quibbles with this movie, but I, I did. I'm glad we spent more time gushing about it than yeah. not. So I'm I'm at a B plus eighty eight at the end of the day. Where do yeah. you have it, Mike? I'm the exact same. Uh, one of the few movies we see exactly. I was an eighty seven coming in. I could be talking to an eighty eight. I think that's my final range. It's definitely a B plus. I think this is one of the better movies of twenty twenty all around. I think it's yeah. a it's it's kind of a shame that the direction and the uh, screenplay is getting so overlooked. Uh, not. To mention that it seems like Vanessa Kirby and Ellen Burstyn are being a little overlooked right now, which I think is a great crime for what this uh, 2020 has had to offer so far. Uh, it, you know, two of my top female performances, lead actress performances, both are in danger of not making the field, which is heartbreaking uh, in Michelle Pfeiffer and Vanessa Kirby now. So uh, all we can do as critics is what we always say is our job to do and just be honest, be real, and hype up the things that we see after doing this for so many years have the merit to be Oscars worthy. And these are two performances that I think for any year are Oscars worthy. I totally agree. Yeah, B plus 88s for us both. Uh, I just praised on the Nomcast the Q&A that you alluded to earlier with Martin Scorsese. I hope Netflix puts that up somewhere, and I hope that, yeah, me these, too. Uh, that, that, that these stars get the chance to speak everywhere. Vanessa Kirby, Ellen Bernstein, and, and the, the writer-director of this movie, because they were in, incredible in that Q&A. I was riveted for like an hour. And to hear Martin Scorsese gush about anything, I wanted to add 10 points. So Netflix, if you're <laughs> listening, I know you guys do, you know, put that stuff out there. That's going to help your campaign here. That's going to be essential to your campaign. And, uh, you know, the Nomcast, to give a quick shout out, I did, I reviewed six movies with Andrew the middle of this week. Another reason why we didn't put out a midweek episode because I had two hour podcasts with Andrew <laughs> <laughs> reviewing a son and the life ahead with Sophia Loren, another best actress, uh, you know, uh, contender there. And she's getting a lot more buzz with Feinberg as well lately, but I've seen uh, that four year old version. Uh, what do we do? A couple three other movies I'm forgetting. And then the three animated short films, which are stupendous and will rip your heart out on Netflix, by the way, a lot of sad stuff on Netflix, but it's so good. It really is. And I, and I, I give them credit for a movie like this too, for to have to, to acquire this and to put this out there, uh, where, where it can be seen by a lot of people and hopefully help a lot of people. I also wonder, uh, you, you know, I mean, the Netflix, the movie dropped on Netflix just a day ago on the 7th, and Vanessa Kirby hasn't been booked on any big talk show. 
and that's kind of a, a, a bit of a warning for me. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if they were really serious about campaigning this, this is certainly the time to put her around. Maybe they're saving her for March. I don't know. But also, you know, the country's been on fire, so there's been right. bigger things to worry about on a national stage, too, which I understand. So who knows? Hopefully they can uh, they can catch that up. And props to us, Mike, for only having, I think, two comments about the state of Washington, D.C. We did throughout it. This we, we got through without... <laughs> So, but you know, on our social medias, we we both spoke out. We uh-huh. tweeted a lot of people better than us. Yeah, yeah. Yes, we it's did. out there. We're not we're not hiding it. No, we are not. We are very blatant. Uh, I, I I don't do subtlety well, uh, guys. What's most important, as always, is we want to hear from you, of course, about this movie, about Pieces of a Woman. What was your watching experience like? What were your expectations going in? And what do you think about the Oscars chances for Ellen Bernstein and Vanessa Kirby specifically? And anything else that uh, we may have missed or talked about or glanced over, you can leave us those as well as any other comments, questions, concerns, suggestions on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you hear podcasts. If you happen to be listening to us on the Apple podcast app, we cannot thank you enough. If you would be so kind as to tap on our cartoon faces, go in and leave us a five-star review. Those truly help us out and go a long way. Want to give a shout out to my co-host once again for all the hard work he is putting into the website, which hopefully will be unveiled sooner rather than later (laughs) Michael uh, tell the good people what's coming next from us and what are some words of wisdom to end yeah I'm gonna dive into the website for a couple more days I'm seeing a finish line a finish line (laughs) and I need to get there so we're not gonna do another show until the Gothams we'll we'll, Mm -hmm. we'll react to the Gothams for you guys early to midweek uh, that's happening on Monday night. So join us on social media for that. And then we'll have a reaction episode and Oscar race checkpoint there. Uh, afterwards, we have three movies that we're considering reviews for. Uh, maybe put something atop another Oscar race checkpoint episode like we've done in the past too. But we have Promising Young Woman, One Night in Miami, News of the World. I've seen all three. They're all worthy of of, uh, of a discussion, of a big uh, podcast that we, we like to do. We like to do these film studies. You know, we're not the most articulate of folks, especially when we don't record <laughs> four episodes a week like we used to as when we were prolific. I feel like I was all over the place today, but hopefully we got across what we wanted to get across. But yes, I, I think uh, I think they're worthy of film studies. I really, I really a fan of all three movies to varying degrees, especially Promising Young Woman and One Night in Miami. So let's dive in, Mike. I'm I'm with you there, buddy. Let's do it. Let's make this feel like a real Oscar season, guys. When reality sucks, you can come check out these movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. We will see you very soon. See you.